Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tussauds. And I'm Ann Friedman. And oh my God, we have, we had to whittle down a pretty epic agenda today because there were so many things to talk about. Um, but we, we are going to attempt to discuss this week, uh, an IRL Beyonce sighting, uh, how to make friends, uh, why the Pope continues to be wrong about pretty much everything, including now the internet, uh, a story about diffusing hyper-masculine aggression on public transportation, baby feminists, uh, black immigration and white perceptions, um, plus this week in menstruation. I'm very excited. So yeah, I'm having a really big like music week this week. It's really funny. I went to the Beyonce and Jay-Z on the run tour. I was kind of not looking forward to going to it because I had just seen Beyonce's like Mrs. Carter tour. I am still bitter about Benghazi and the elevator situation. But <laughs> Uh, you know, when you get like really good VIP tickets to Beyonce, you're kind of a fool if you say no. And of course, uh, I sh- Amina problems. Uh, and you know how I'm I only so go sick to, like- of seeing Beyonce, and I got VIP tickets, and now I have to go. Ugh. You know, I have never seen Beyonce. P.S. Um, you know, that's your own fault, but we will <laughs> fix that. So I go to the On the Run tour. I obviously feel like a fool because you should never doubt the power of Beyonce. She's just amazing. The whole show is great. It's all stuff that you've heard before, but oh my god, it's so good. Uh, I don't really want to talk about Jay-Z. But so anyway, I'm writing this, like, high, you know, like, I just saw Beyonce yesterday. I'm so, 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 so happy. And I am at lunch with, uh, with a coworker, and she, and we walk into this restaurant, And I'm just very hangry. I'm trying to get my life together. And, you know, it's like, why are we at this really expensive lunch when we get fed, like, great lunch at work? We were trying to get away. But so anyway, she says something to me to the effect of, I think that's Beyonce. And the first thing that I think in my head is, ugh, like, why are you lying to me? (laughs) (laughs) 
And I turn around, and lo and behold, it's Beyonce. <laughs> oh my god, was she bathed in a glow, like from above? And she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. She was holding Blue Ivy, who was really, really cute. And all I cared about was like, what is Blue Ivy's like foot game? You know, because she's like, Tell me. Real, she wears like really cute shoes. She was just wearing these little really cute baby sneaks with like a cool pattern on them. And I was like, I really want to know where these baby sneakers are from. Uh, Beyonce was so chill. She was wearing like a hoodie and skinny jeans and some um, and some high top sneakers and just looking really like a badass mom. And Mm -hmm. just super chill. There were like two, I want to say like two bodyguards with her. But nobody was really mobbing her or acting a fool. And I was like, I don't know if this is like a, because it's San Francisco and people are crazy. But I was also surprised at my own restraint. So, uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I think most, I mean, people who are nice people, even if they are obsessed with a celebrity, understand that sometimes celebrities just want to eat lunch with their daughter or whatever. Right? Like This is true. But also sometimes we have no shame and we lose our shit. <laughs> I mean, right, I guess. But, like, you don't lose your shit. I'm say- What I'm saying is you're better than other people. <laughs> you don't know that. This is Beyonce. <laughs> Everybody's other people when it comes to but Beyonce. But this is the ultimate test, like, right? Like, I feel like Beyonce is the ultimate test of, like, can you be chill when no, you see a celebrity in public? This is true. Like, just see a celebrity in the wild living her own life, just being a mom, carrying her baby, trying to get some lunch. Um, yeah, no, she just she looked so cool. I was so struck by that. And then on Friday, I also had an impromptu, like, went to see Kanye West at Outside Lands. So I'm feeling... I mean, impromptu. I know. I hadn't hadn't planned on it, Anne. What can I say? I have good friends who work in the music biz. Also, judging by your Instagram photo of the of the Kanye show, you were like basically standing underneath his kilt. Oh, we were breathing the same oxygen. Better believe it. I have had no such sightings. I've seen just two civilian dudes wearing Pharrell hats, or I guess I should say 1980s Vivian Westwood <laughs> Park Ranger hats. That's the closest I've come this week. I will say this, though. My Watch the Throne like uh, family week has been great and kind of restored my faith in San Francisco. It's like, oh, uh, San Francisco is not as cool as New York. But you know what? Like These like three sightings are going to keep me going for a while giving you life (laughs) thank you as the kids say giving me life i know Someone sent us this article. Uh, listener Ashley wrote <laughs> and asked us um, how we originally met and fell in love, lo, these many years ago. Ah, such um, a good story. I know. So I figured, well, and then someone else um, sent us an article about how difficult it is to make friends as an adult. And I figure, like, maybe we can use ourselves as an object lesson. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. And, and how to make obsessive friendships as an adult. Because we were definitely both adults when we met. Yeah, we were definitely adults. This is, um, can I tell this story? I mean, yes, of course. Okay. I remember 
being invited to this Gossip Girl viewing party. Uh, Gossip Girl, very relevant at the time. Still, no, we need to add that caveat every time. Like, what it was ev- really happening. Whatever, and don't denounce Gossip Girl. It's still relevant. Later seasons were really bad. Yeah, but you know what? It's okay. Like, the first season was the best thing. And also, we have to love it because it's the show that brought us together. It's true. So this was, like, what, season two, three? You're right, you're right, you're right. Probably season two. Our good mutual friend, well, becoming new to me friend, Dyer Olopade, shout out. She's she's kind of the fairy godmother of this friendship. Dyer's just the jam. Dyer invites me to her house to watch Gossip Girl. I... I'm in a place where I kind of want to make new friends. Important lesson for the person who wants to make adult friends. It takes effort. And so I agree to go to her house to watch Gossip Girl with all these people that I've never met because, duh, Gossip Girl's amazing. And I wear my favorite t-shirt that's a homemade Chuck Hart's Blair shirt because, you know, you got to bring your A-game at the Gossip Girl viewing party. I don't remember really what we talked about. All I know is that you and I had the same reactions at like all of the the parts of the like the show at the same time, and I was like, "This lady is amazing. I want to be friends with her." And I remember when the show was over, vividly like walking out, going, oh, "I hope we are all walking to the same place," you know, because DC is so small, and it's like maybe we are all walking distance. And I remember it was raining, and you and the other two people that you were with went the opposite way that I was going, and my heart like broke. <laughs> I mean, I love it because in my head now, this is like a romantic comedy scene. It's like raining. You've you've just met your dream bestie and like she's walking the other way. Uh, Yeah, duh, because I did the thing that I never do. When I went home, I immediately looked up your name from the email, the Gossip Girl email, and I added you on Facebook. I never add people as friends on Facebook because I'm a jerk and I'm like, well, like people will add me. I went to add you on Facebook, and as soon as I turned, uh, as the, whatever, like, the website came up, I saw that I had a pending friend notification from you. I was like, (gasps) everything is great. Immediate, immediate. I mean, the other thing, lesson number two about making friends, which is, like, internet follow-up crucial. Maybe I should write something where I name the phenomenon by which you share links with someone the day after you have dinner. Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, like, yeah. a way, way of cementing. Has this already been written? The way A way of cementing your, like, you know, burgeoning relationship? No, it's just, like, a huge part of my, like, friend flirting game. It's like, hey, here are all these things that I want to read with you. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, reading the internet is your love language. Like, I've read the internet for you and sent you links. That's true. Anyway, and so then we, like, had an immediate internet and IRL friendship. We saw each other the following, like, two days later, wasn't it? Yeah, I went to watch the movie Obsessed starring Beyonce and Idris Elba for, like, the fourth time because you and Dio hadn't seen it and wanted to see it. And I was like, I am playing for keeps. We went, like, on midnight on a school night. Early commitment, early commitment. So I don't know. I guess I, th- I think that like it obviously helps if you sort of have some friends in common and can bump into people naturally. But also like got to say yes to that stuff. Like you got to go all the way to the other side of town to watch Gossip Girl sometimes if you want to meet great people. That's yeah, we're, we were in like Woodley Park. Never go to Woodley Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and then Obsessed at Midnight. See, I've always been behind on the Beyonce curve. That's what that's the other lesson. Like you had already seen Obsessed twice at least. Uh, and three times. It was my fourth watching. <laughs> Just oh my God. to be who's clear. The, who's the evil white girl in Obsessed? What's uh, her name? Allie Larder? Hello. Oh my God. Wow. Just just trying to remember. Anyway, so 
I just looked up this guide to making friends as an adult. Yeah, and, tell me about it. And it says things like indulge in some real talk, slowly up the intensity of a Q&A to create friendly feelings in just 45 minutes. Wait, like, are this you is a all, robot? This is all wrong. You can't real talk a friend you're trying to seduce. What's wrong with these people? I know. You, you, you got to go for the slower reveal. <laughs> yeah. You know, like basically it's just like dating. It's like put all of your best qualities forward. What do you bring to the table? Don't be your, like, asshole self. Ever. Right. Be your best self and slowly introduce the real talk. Exactly. Very gently. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like this guide is just... So, I remember ages ago, I... I don't remember if it was, like, I was taking questions for my newsletter or, like, someone... Or tweeted at me the question, like, how do I not die alone? And I was like, this is just the easiest thing to answer ever. The answer is you be the one to call. Like, you just call people or, like, email them or whatever. Like, don't sit around at home being like, no one's called me. That's like, so like crucial. Like, those people are die-alone people. people. Yeah, no, and those people are always the ones that complain about how they, like, can't make friends as adults. And I was like, well, maybe you should be a little more proactive about it. It is a little bit of a give and take. If you meet someone who you really like, like, I mean, you have to, you have to court, you have to pursue. Yeah. So what are our tips for making adult friends? Number one, just go to things. You actually have to like leave. Get out of your house. You actually have to leave your house. That's important. Go to all, like take up all the invitations, even the ones to things that you don't want to go to. Like I go to craft parties, even though I hate them. I've been to two Burning Man parties last week. Let me tell you, want to light my whoa the truth. Want to light myself on fire? Got some face painting done, but guess what? Met about a hundred people. Two people have real potential. Having lunch with one lady next week. I'm very excited. You actually have to go out of your way and you have to make yourself a little vulnerable. Yeah. Also, I have totally met some of my greatest friends via the internet, like friends of friends or people who one of my one of my dear friends from DC, Lindsay Wood, sent me in like a really like a stranger email back when um, I first moved to DC. And my I, at the time I wrote for this blog, Feministing, and my bio said something about how like I wasn't excited to be in DC. And it said I'd gone to college in Missouri. And she emailed me and was like, Hi, I, you know, read your, read Feministing and I went to school and I'm from Missouri and I also hated DC for like the first two years, like we should hang out. And we had like three supremely awkward friend blind dates, like set up by the internet before we legit. That's right. You got to put that FaceTime in. I mean, that's the other thing, right? I knew I was waiting for you to get around to put the FaceTime in. (laughs) You do, but. Also internet follow up. Yes, internet follow up is crucial. (laughs) Also. I feel like I am the luckiest person because all a lot of my friend groups are just merging into each other because that's how I like to live my life. <laughs> so via the internet a lot That's not luck. That's No, strategic. I mean obviously, right? Like a lot like... of my a lot of my friends yeah. have met because it has been like delightfully orchestrated. And that's the other thing is that like sometimes, you know, you got to like pass on the karma. Introduce your friends to your other friends. Like that is so important and crucial. And, um, yeah, and delightful things will come your way. That, the sort of, you know, going to hang out with one friend and then bringing along one other person is, like, the best way also for people who are, like, kind of shy or kind of dislike big parties to make really Mm -hmm. good friends. And so, like, if you are a good friend, you will also be thinking about, like, who to introduce your good friends to. Hey, I have to butt in here for a second. This is Gina Delbach, producer of the show, by the way. And, uh... 
Wait, you didn't think you were the only one eavesdropping, did you? Okay, so I just want to say that this is exactly how I met Anne, and of course I'm so happy that I did. We were both journalists living in LA, but she was this boss lady editor, and I was just making my way into public radio. So our dear friend Sarah Blank introduced us in a couple of very low-key, successive bar hangouts, during which I remember talking about my then-obsession, IUDs. Anyway, of course, Anne was so funny and so smart. She and Sarah and I shared some horrifying period stories, which I will not repeat here. Of course, I was friend-crushing hard. And one thing led to another. Lucky me, Anne introduced me to Amina, and she has also held me so close in URLs and IRL situations. So this advice can really work. Your hosts don't lie. I'm here to do a little impromptu endorsement of my own and give a special birthday shout out to Sarah Blank. I have um, I have an email in my draft box right now that says uh, the subject line is set me up with your friends that I'm going to send to all of you mm-hmm. very soon while all of you being like my IRL friends saying like, hey, I'm settling into this weird town. Who do you know here? Please set me up with them. And sometimes like you got to do that, too. But I also think that like being new in some ways also offers this great freedom where you're like, well, I don't know where we should hang out. You have to like pick a restaurant and like show me your world is like a really great little and are you saying that you don't use the yelp app and go who is the duke of this location who's the duke Duke of this This location and just go there (laughs) this is a long-standing way amina and i judge yelp reviews if you if you don't know how a place is who's the duke does the duke look cool would you hang out with the duke of whatever location Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. Or it could come from me. I mean, not to. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable, ultra-chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Okay, now we can talk about how we hate the Pope, right? Uh, and, like, another hallmark of this friendship, we both hate the Pope so much. I love Um, that we fake love JP2, but this Pope, this Pope is evil and nobody knows. I ironically love JP2 in a Midwest grandma way. Like, I don't actually, actually, I hate him just as much. I mean, Um, duh, we hate him. But the problem is that this Pope is beloved by people 
and and I would say like people that I consider to be like really skeptical and not Catholic and just like smart people. And they're all getting bamboozled by this Pope because every once in a while he'll make, like, internet pronouncements. Don't right. fall for it. Whereas you and I are like, show me the receipts. Which policies have you changed? You know? Yeah, no. He's just so awful. I was like, stop talking about Snapchat to make yourself relevant. Like, do shit I care about. Okay, so this week he uh, he issued... Wait, hang on. Let me find this. So on, on Thursday, he met with... 50,000 German altar servers. That's Word kind of up. <laughs> Word up. A stadium's worth of German altar servers. Anyway, and, and told them, quote, maybe many young people waste too many hours on futile things. Our life is made up of time and time is a gift from God. So it is important to be used in good and fruitful actions. And he went on to sort of cite as examples of not good and fruitful actions, quote, chatting on the internet or with smartphones, watching TV soap operas, oh, shout out Gossip Girl, and using <laughs> the products of technological progress. Snapchat, like, Snapchat shout out. <laughs> I mean, obviously this is kind of a little thing in the scope of like the Pope not being great to survival, survivors of sexual assault, for example. Like minor, minor point about hating the Pope, but sometimes it's the easiest, the little stuff that's like uh, easiest to go in on. I just also, like, what, a, what a hypocrite coming from someone with like 20 Twitters and like 4 million followers. I see you, Pope. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, like, like please spend your time communicating better. P.S. Follow me on Twitter in several languages. <laughs> My favorite thing, though, is how he's like, the Internet, it's a gift from God, but also use it wisely. Um, yeah. He, what, what was it? It was like a network, not of wires, but of people. Get out of my face. Also, my network is people. Even my my digital like <laughs> network is people. Like, you don't know my network. This is the problem with the po fucking Pope. The Pope doesn't know anything about my life. This <laughs> the is the problem with the Pope. The Pope doesn't know my life. The <laughs> Anne Friedman story. <laughs> I mean, that's basically been my story since I was like a kid, like rolling my eyes in Catholic school. But like, for real, I just like this idea that, I mean, obviously there is some stuff on the internet that is not productive. And obviously like some television shows, like you could maybe say it's quote unquote futile. That's such a weird construction, but maybe, the, maybe it was mistranslated. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I don't think that anything on the internet or on TV is futile. I think people do things to not get their shit done. Right. I mean, I, I also agree with you. And I'll, I mean, like, so my most meaningful relationships were founded and, like, midwifed by the beautiful thing we call the internet. Yes, and it's a gift from God. Didn't you hear the Pope? I get, can't hate on everything. His, like, branding game is on luck. You can't really do worse than his predecessor, Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. Like, you can't possibly. Everybody hated Benedict because they're like, he's evil. And I was like, no, he's exactly like what a cartoon, like, <laughs> like a pope should be. Just this, like, right. evil German guy. And I kind of really appreciated that. He's like, I'm really into these, like, Prada slippers. I want to spend all of this money. Also, I'm probably gay. Like, I don't have time for this. I mean, sometimes I think that he did, like, extra evil, like, face makeup and, like, was, like, extra, like, you know, just, like, he was he was really leaning in, you know? I can't even get into this more because otherwise it's it's going to get too, 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 too real. Well, look, I feel like this is a good transition to this article you wanted to talk about about baby feminists at Wheaton College because it also has a religious angle. Our 
good friend, Erin Carmon, who is just doing the Lord's work, LOL, <laughs> when it comes to writing about reproductive rights, <laughs> went to Wheaton College in Illinois. That's actually a really conservative college. I went to a very um, religious conservative high school, and some of the like smart kids from my high school would go to Wheaton. Like That's the Christian like smart school. Some of my favorite things. When Jordan Ashley Barney arrived at Wheaton College in Illinois and wanted to join the Christian feminist cabinet, she asked what the difference was between a Christian feminist and an actual feminist. Because to me, Barney said recently, I don't think there should be any sort of difference. But when she and co-president Krista Peterson took over, they kept Christian in the name. It makes people less worried, said Barney, meaning less worried about the stigma associated with feminism. Uh, I just... I love these girls. They are, they're organizing on their campus. They're also, you know, at Christian schools, feminist is like a good branding. Yeah, no, feminist is like a really, really, really bad word. And I'm so impressed with them. And I just, I love them so much. And I, there's such a special place in my heart for like little baby feminists on college, on college campuses, because I was one of them too. And I'll admit that I'm really biased. I'm like, oh, these girls like know exactly what's up. It's not like they're out here reading Tina Fey books and going, um, I, I'm a feminist. And I was like, no, like some people actually organize and they know about feminist praxis. I'm so excited. Hashtag gender oh studies. God. I just love gender studies, ladies. Clearly these women were feminists before they got to college. It wasn't Obviously, like were- but college mm-hmm. is like where, you know, it all starts making sense to you and you get like a vocabulary to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And you meet other people like you, especially when you go to, like, crazy Christian high schools like me and probably some of these girls. And you get to college and you're like, oh, my God, it just, like, everything just blows your mind. You know how you sometimes just see random displays of masculine aggression? You know, like like the dude who is like accidentally like you know someone touches the wheel of his bike and he flips out and everyone's like uh, tiptoeing around and he the just situation like, on and the he street. just like hulks out. <laughs> right. It's like it's like the next public bro level after sitting with your legs spread open like on public transit. Uh. It's sort of like the, and one more notch more aggressive. <laughs> So my friend Jenna Kinsman, who is a designer in Chicago, her roommate tweeted the story about how he was on the train in Chicago. Wait, and it pause. Was like, the train in yes. Chicago is called the Metra, like a Metro with an A? Well, that's the suburban commuter That is just version. blowing my mind. Somebody's got to change that. Okay, tell me this important story. <laughs> the Metra? I thought you would like that. We're taking the Metra? We're taking the Metra. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, so he was he was on the train, and it's very, very packed. And he says, pushing and shoving through the line came this six foot infinity dude from God knows what bad company listening Jeep Cherokee (laughs) driving dimension. Jana's roommate Brent, this guy kind of leans his body back into into the dude, you know, to sort of push back. And the guy obviously doesn't like that and decides to get in his face. And so turns around and goes, what? And Brent looks up at him and goes, you're weird. (laughs) 
and um, and he's like, do I try to fight him? I'm clearly not big enough. Like, we can't just stand here forever. Is this guy going to punch me? Clearly, he wants to punch me. I think that's an important part of the story. The guy is like, you know, I'm just, I'm just really looking for a fight. So he says, so I did the only thing I could do. The lightest, tiniest jump, like a toddler when excited about triangles. <laughs> and it gave me just <laughs> enough lift <laughs> that my lips landed right on his. The no! Crowd... <laughs> the crowd's silence from intense masculinity made the kiss only more audible. And without hesitation, I sprinted 10 feet away just in case. No. Everyone, everyone began laughing. I stood briefly watching to see if this dude would pull out like a bazooka or 50 guns or something, but he just stood there more embarrassed than that one time he openly expressed emotion in his 20s. This is like worse than glitter bombing somebody. Oh my God. On one hand, I'm sort of like, this is incredible. I love this story. All's well that ends well. Basically, the guy was just dumbstruck and our hero got away just fine without, without being punched in the face. But... When I read it, I was also like, this could have gone a totally different way. Like, that guy could have just, like, beaten the shit out of you right then and there on the platform. Yeah, no, I, um, my blood pressure is high right now. I'm just, I'm not finding the, like, happy ending here. That is crazy. So, I don't know, it ends with him sort of saying, like, he says, so all my bros like me out there, I encourage you to do the same, because now I know how to ruin every jock and rough dick abroad. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. I sort of am like, I appreciate, but also, you know. But also be careful out there. Don't be out there kissing bros. Use with caution. Use with caution. (laughs) But I mean, the thing that I love mostly about it is just like recognizing that pointless, hyper-masculine confrontation that happens in public. We all put up with that. Seriously, ban men. Just ban men altogether. It's (laughs) awful. That is not where I was going with that, but okay. That's where I'm. That's where I'm always going. <laughs> uh, what do you feel about this epidemic of people writing about dudes that like have their legs wide open on the train? I mean, it's just funny, right? It's rare that like men taking up too much space isn't sort of like scary or violent, and it's more just like annoying and like kind of hilarious in a like do you have cantaloupes for balls kind of no i know it's all i can ever think about i was like this is so funny to me that you have external sex organs and because of that you can't sit straight i mean external (laughs) genitalia will never not be funny to me like it's all just out like the whole thing is ridiculous i just am noticing that it's a bigger part of the conversation now like i hear it over and over again and one i'm kind of sick about hearing about it but too like it's real like dudes take up a lot of space like irl and emotionally and a lot of of ways so again not surprising let's see speaking of people who take up lots of space white people oh love white people (laughs) i know you like white people more than you like men i think not to make this (laughs) wow and wow but true but true I mean, I probably do too at the end of the day. If we're talking broad categories here. I don't know. I feel like you like men more than you like white people. Mm. I mean, 
Yeah, it's like it's more complicated. I'm already like, oh my god, someone's going to excerpt this clip like when one of us is getting put through the dark side, like Pope Francis's internet. Someone yeah, will pull Pope this Francis clip and use it against us. <laughs> like you, you know, white people. Um, oh my god, I'm totally, I'm totally using that from now on. When I'm like in like a Tumblr vortex, I'm like, I'm on Pope Francis's internet. Like, gotta go be more productive. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing about watching a movie about with you is whenever um white people. <laughs> big scare quotes do ridiculous things and you are so embarrassed for your entire race of people that makes me laugh a lot i mean it's pretty embarrassing sometimes <laughs> i don't know what to tell you white woman burden <laughs> so true so tr- sometimes you just want to watch a romantic comedy without being embarrassed for white people i know really i feel hard. like the sex in the city movies like you just could not watch that with this straight face I can't believe you just told the world that I even watched that movie. Okay, but anyway, no, we wanted to talk about this article that our friend Gene Demby wrote, which I think might be Call Your Girlfriend's first major media mention that is not an endorsement, but sort of a substantive discussion of something we talked about here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there, Anne. We're getting there. Oh my God, baby steps. But anyway, this article by our pal Gene Demby at NPR is sort of about the way... I would say racist attitudes actually change or, or or sort of the broader population's opinion changes of black people when those people are recent immigrants versus whether they have lived in the country for quite a while. AKA the story of my life. Right. Well, and this is the part of our conversation he excerpted where you were talking about the way you're perceived in Europe versus the way you're perceived in America. Because Americans tend to sort of see, for example, more recent African immigrants as like hardworking and full of potential, whereas even Barack Obama addresses a group of graduates from the all-male historically black college, Morehouse College, by saying, we've got no time for excuses. You know, I have a lot of like fake qualms with Barack Obama. I'm a huge fan of the thanks Obama mentality about a lot of things. But the Obamas, like both him and Michelle, their attitude kind of around respectability politics and black people is something that is really hard for me to stomach. Like, I don't know if they're doing it for show. You know, it's like, hey, like, do you have to do this because you're playing this political game and this is what you want to do? But they have both said some just like really rather insane things to all black audiences. And I think that it's really interesting how they... (laughs) they kind of take this very paternalistic tone and attitude when talking to all black audiences, you know, the pull up your pants, don't, you know, like don't grow up to be an artist or a basketball player. Here's what you can do. And that is really shocking to me coming from people that I, you know, like I consider them to be like progressive and it just goes to show just respectability politics. Nobody's immune from them. And Gene sets up a contrast where just, you know, a couple of weeks later, Obama was addressing a bunch of young African leaders who traveled to D.C., which, uh, callback, our friend Dio Dio Olapade covered for The New Yorker. Yeah, no, Um, it's so good. They just, like, parachute all these African, like, leaders 
who, by the way, are great and not impressed with America. That's like my favorite thing about all of them. They're like, what? Your country has like no infrastructure. What's going on here? <laughs> right. And, and, and so to them, Obama says, I believe in you. I believe in every one of you who are doing just extraordinary things. Uh, Which is great. But also like. <laughs> I know, right? I know. But that's not the message that he has when he goes to Morehouse. And that's so, right. you know. To use your favorite, like, college graduate word, it's so problematic. I don't know. And I think that we've both probably read lots of articles about race and how it's lived and people's perception. And this was a real, I don't know, this was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, no, it's really good. I think it was last year, Tanahasi Coates spent a couple of weeks in France and wrote about it on his blog. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last summer. And mm-hmm. that series is, like, completely eye-opening and wonderful because he, you know, he's basically this, like, African-American guy, like, living in Paris, and he's completely in love with Paris. And he's just, like, living like an X-Men. The whole thing is just, like, beautifully written and great. But, it like, for me, it was really hard to read because that's the complete opposite of my experience, you know? Right. And it was really interesting, like, trading notes with him about how, like, we're both perceived like in our respective places so you know i if you haven't read if you haven't read that from a couple of summers ago i would definitely go back and check it out it's really good Maybe it's time for this week in menstruation. Oh my god. Um, so I know that you wanted to talk about one thing in this week in menstruation, but I found an email from you that said that was like, Do you get um do you get drunk faster if you're on your period? I really I wanna discuss this. Like where's Obviously that from? I have no memory of sending you that email. <laughs> like definitely <laughs> like search your inbox for like drunk and period. I have like a internet degree in medicine level theory that I get drunk faster <laughs> when I have my period. Like somehow my, my uterine lining has been absorbing all the booze and like once it's gone, I just get drunk really fast. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I think it's probably because I'm taking lots of ibuprofen and so my blood is thin or something. Like I think that it's sort of a... <laughs> I don't I'm know. just, like, generally not sold on, like, drunkenness, like, science, because I don't understand how I can generally drink an entire bottle of wine a night watching SVU and I'm fine, but I'll have one whiskey in public and I'm dancing on a table. Like, I don't know. I don't know the science of that. So if you want to come be the, like, call your girlfriend doctor and answer all of this for us, please do. Yeah, we were discussing this. We kind of need an actual human to ask these questions to. We just sit around and speculate and then, like, end the segment. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe like, we should consult a doctor. We both have, like, degrees in Grey's Anatomy, you know, like, level one and two, so. We need a CYG OBGYN. <laughs> CYG MD, CYG OBGYN, <laughs> CYG allergist. Like, I'll take everything. And an attorney while we're at it. Yeah. So, wait, are you on your period right now? What's going on? I am not, but um, but the the Guardian ran this article last week that was ten sexist scenarios women deal with at work, um, and it was <laughs> sort of like rolling. it's like 
I mean, right? It's like the idea that you can like boil it down to scenarios. But number four is being accused of menstruation when voicing a firm <laughs> opinion. It's are like, you? I are charge you, on you the with rag? menstruation. <laughs> so the quote, the quote in that section is. Um, quote, my colleague had to chase up someone in another department for not meeting a deadline for paperwork to be submitted. When she went to speak with him about it, his response was, is it your time of the month? (laughs) I don't understand how like people, well, people, hashtag men can say that with like a, like a serious way. That's so weird. I mean, it seemed also pretty outdated to me. Obviously, I think there are lots of bald-faced sexist things in the workplace that are not outdated. But that was one where, like, oh, she must be on her period. I'm like, it was it was the other attorney in question, like, a 17-year-old Doogie Hauser style? Oh, my God. Yeah, no. If somebody says that to me, I will, like, period all over their desk at work. Like, that's and That ridiculous. should be the punishment. <laughs> that, should, that should be your punishment. It's like, hi. Here's us. You know, I, yeah. I have long... Like, you will know. If you want to know when I'm when I'm on my period, like, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Like, here's my period on your chair. What's up? <laughs> um, you, you know how my um, my long-standing, like, desire to have a all-lady terrorist group called Toxic Shock Syndrome? <laughs> Basically going after street harassers. But I feel like they could also go after assholes at work. Yeah, for sure. I feel I feel like this guy is just a street harasser who's been domesticated. I know. It's just like somebody says that to you, you should be able to like shoot them with a bloody tampon and just go, Definitely. "Yes, I am in fact on my period." Yep. Like do you do you really were you prepared for the answer? Like you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Have you seen, like, some of these videos where people just, like, take out their tampons and throw them at people? There's, like, a couple on the internet, and they're great. It's just, you're just, like, how fed up do you have to be as a lady that you're like, I am about to hit this asshole with my tampon? I mean, Gina, please find us an audio clip of a male reaction when a woman takes out a tampon <laughs> and hits him with it. <laughs> no, no, that's definitely not going to happen. I love our listeners too much, and if you love us back, subscribe to Call Your Girlfriend on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at CallYRGF and find all of our past shows at CallYourGirlfriend.com where we have links to the articles we talked about and the music that we play. All right. Well, um, I'll see you on Pope Francis's internet. Oh, my God. I hope to never see you on Pope Francis's internet. (laughs) 